0: The Vikings have played six games, and five of them have come down to the final play. Let's talk about that, and how sustainable it is, and how the Vikings approach those situations to see if we can't get a handle on if this team is good or not. This is the Locked On Vikings podcast. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Locked on Vikings podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making Locked on Vikings your first listen of the day. As always, I'm your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke NFL, and the show is on Twitter at Locked on Vikings. And today on the show, I want to talk to you about clutchness. I want to talk to you about uh, just all these close games, right? The Vikings have come down to the final play. They've been within a score in five of their six games and they're chilling at 500 how do you make anything of that team they get exactly you know they they bring the game down to the exact same situation down one point field goal to win it against arguably the best team in the league arguably the worst team in the league and it's the same game how does that happen um so i want to talk a little bit about close games and how those things manifest and just a little bit of like the philosophy of it and also just how the vikings approach those things we're on the bye week now um, and that means, you know, usually this would be crossover Thursday and stuff, but we, we've got a little bit of time to sort of zoom out and have a larger conversation about the tenor of this, the texture of the season. Uh, and I, I think we should, you know, make the most of that opportunity before we have to transition into Cowboys mode, which would happen a week from today before any of that, though, I think we should probably talk about, uh, the, the roster is changing a little bit. Of course, Kenny Wangwu yesterday came off of, or I guess on Tuesday, uh, he came off of IR. He's active, um. Full, rare, and ready to go. And Amir Abdullah was waived to make room. And I assume they wanted him on the practice squad, but the Panthers poached him, so we lost Amir Abdullah. Uh, and that that really sucks. I liked Amir Abdullah um, as not necessarily as a third string running back. I think he was whatever there, but as a special teamer that was always in the right lane, um, as a pass protector that was uh, you know pretty good at, at getting to the right spots and um just as also as just like a locker room leader like he had a huge impact on the vikings off the field leader on the social justice committee and all that stuff so it's kind of a an underrated loss i I think amir Abdullah was underrated for his time here um and now he goes over to the panthers so where does that leave us obviously kenny wangwu takes that third running back slot i thought in camp he might have actually been kind of gunning for alexander madison's backup spot he is not the change of pace thumper that uh madison is he's much more Uh, similar stylistically to Dalvin Cook. So I don't know if that would have actually affected much about carries, but he certainly was playing really well. And the Vikings in camp were giving him a ton of run because they were basically just trying to keep Cook and Madison both fresh. So I don't know if he even had a legit shot at that job, but I thought he was kind of making a case for it. So there's that, but then there's also the return jobs, you know. Amir Smith-Marset... Still wasn't taking the kickoff returns, even though he was no longer on the injury report. He wasn't taking the kickoff returns anymore since he took one out that he shouldn't have taken out uh, against Cincinnati in week one. And then he got hurt in that game and then he's been on IR, but he was available for the Panthers game. He didn't take the kickoffs. He's taking the kickoffs now unless Wang Wu gets that job. Um, But I have a tough time seeing the Vikings doing that. Um, and also, you know, you have the, the punt return job. I mean, that's Steady Westbrook, but you have other responsibilities and special teams and stuff that so like other players are going to like start getting opportunities here. Um, so that's all interesting and, and kind of impactful on its own, right? But I, I want to talk about the, the most impactful part of the game, the end of it, and how it's kind of always crazy for the Vikings. Now, look, a lot of games come down to the final play, right? Um, whether that is, you know, an onside kick or something too, like a lot, like in the NFL, it's hard to blow somebody out. Um, and if you're winning a game by two scores, even against a bad team, that's, that's pretty crazy, but the Vikings haven't been doing, that. I mean, they blew out the Seahawks and the Seahawks seem like they're a complete disaster. And now even without Russell Wilson, they're more of a disaster. The Browns, the Cardinals, the Lions, the Panthers, and the Bengals are like all across the spectrum of quality and somehow they're all one score games for the Vikings. So let's talk about that. What do you make of a team that is always in those close games? And I think from a broad perspective, you get this idea that there is s- sort of they're both lucky, but also uh, not realizing their potential. They're like uh, lucky and unlucky at the same time. You know, if you've watched that Cardinals game, they were unlucky in that Cardinals game. You watch this Panthers game. They were lucky in that Panthers game. Um, and it's so backwards because the game where they were like unlucky and, you know, probably could have beat the crap out of him, but didn't. And then, you know, if it were just for the the missed field goal, the easiest game winning field goal attempt Greg Joseph has had uh, was the one he missed in the Cardinals game. It's all so backwards. And that's the game that they were supposed to get blown up. That's the team that's, you know, the 6-0 Cardinals, that they're the best in the league. And, you know, the game where they just totally suck and everything is like this disaster, Um, And they barely escape with a win, and that's the one that's against the Lions where they play really poorly. Like, you would think that 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 would be flipped around, right? Where the good team would give them fits and the bad team would, you know, be uh, a a game where you need to get so unlucky for it to be close, but it's not that way. Um, So, this is why I don't like strength of schedule. This is why I don't like win loss, win loss. If somebody asked me, um, you know, hey, what's your record prediction? This is a like 10 people mailbag question. What's your. Prediction for the next four games. It's a tough stretch. What do you think? Two and two, three and one. So I don't know, man. What's the difference between the Lions and the Cardinals? I guess nothing, nothing matters. Um, so let me talk about how they approach those close game situations. Look, they have had in six games, eight drives with a chance to win it um, or tie it. Like eight, eight drives with game on the line, right? Game on the line and you're not going to get another chance. So I'm not counting, you know, they get the ball three minutes left to go in the Browns game and they would get a chance again. I'm talking this is it, do or die. Um, and on those eight drives, I think the results are a little bit illuminating and uh, can maybe tell us how things are going to go in the future because they have 11 games left and we're not going to have them all be nice, easy, clean contests. So we're going to talk about uh, all of that. And I want to talk about Kirk Cousins uh, in all of that as well. But first, let me talk to you about your car. Uh, It is starting to get to be that season where having good windshield wipers is like a matter of personal safety. Like it's really important. Um, and it's not just, you know, quality of life thing, if it's sleeting out or if, you know, you've got streaks on your windshield and they freeze, that can be like legit dangerous and it can stop your windshield wipers from working in, in, uh, the future. Uh, if you know, something freezes up on your windshield or something, and, and if you don't have an ice scraper in your car or you don't have the right windshield blades or something, you can get yourself in a lot of trouble. So don't go to like a brick and mortar auto shop for all of that. And if you have repairs to make to your car, you know, you can go to a mechanic and they can upcharge you for the part and all that stuff. Or... You can go to rockauto.com. Rockauto gets you all of those supplies. Just measure your windshield wiper, and you can buy a blade for like three bucks. And then just like slide it on. And if you need help, watch a YouTube tutorial. Enter your make, your year, and your model, you know, you get something that fits your car. Um, You can also get ice scraper, jumper cables, all sorts of, you know, supplies that you need. And if you're a true gearhead, you can get all sorts of parts for your car. They have this expansive catalog, everything under the sun. They've been doing this for 20 years. They've made a connection or two in that time. So head on over to rockauto.com. You can get anything your car could possibly need. And that is at a discount, too, because you're buying straight from the manufacturer. And Rock Auto, they're a family company. They're taking care of you. That is rockauto.com. In the how you heard about it section, let them know that Locked On sent you. Because if you don't, ZD's never going to be able to keep up with his alimony payments. Rock Auto, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. So in the six games of 2020, the Vikings have had their life on the line with an offensive drive eight times. And there's a few, you know, overtime situations where they get a few of these, right? Um, But you know, chance to tie it or end it right chance to overturn the result of this game right here, right now. Uh, You had three of them in week one. You had your field goal drive to tie it up and bring it to regulation as well as the two overtime drives. Um, In week two, you had the field goal drive where Greg Joseph ultimately missed week four against the Browns. They had an end game drive that ended on a, a ran out of time. I think was the end of that. I think it was a third down with like six seconds to go. Hail Mary ish situation didn't go. Uh, Week five, you had the field goal drive that won the game. Week six, you had a field goal drive that tied or that that could have won the game. Greg Joseph missed the field goal and then you had the overtime drive. Um, So that's eight of them. And on those eight, here's the result, right? Uh, Five of those achieved some version of the offense's goal. They set up a field goal attempt or just straight up scored. Um, whether or not Greg Joseph missed the field goal isn't as reflective on the offense, and I'm focusing on the offense here. So five of them, we'll call them. You did your what you were angling to do, uh, and maybe you should have angled to do more, but we're gonna we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, one of those was the overtime fumble, um, and one of and two of those just straight up didn't work. Uh, the, the overtime fumble against Cincinnati, and then the two that didn't work were the other drive against Cincinnati in overtime where they had to punt, and then the uh, Cleveland drive that ended in the, the the clock running out now here's what they had let me just go over these again because i think it's also important to understand um the the situations they were presented with there was uh down three with a minute 47 and no timeouts so lots of time but no timeouts down three um you know the, of course you had the three drives in over they've had three overtime offensive possessions um they had the week two one was two minutes and three seconds one timeout. The week four one had a minute and one second and one timeout the week five, one 37 seconds, one timeout and the week six, one 42 seconds, two timeouts. Um, so that kind of spans a range. They've had 37 seconds. They'd have, you know, they've gotten the ball on the other side of the two minute warning and that's been the end of the game. So, it's kind of weird when I say that and I say okay which ones did you th- do you think didn't work if you didn't already know you know if you weren't already intimately familiar with you probably say well I, you know the, the 37 second the 42 second those ones sound a little harder than the 2 minute 1 minute um you know it, that that sounds like it's harder but again it's weird everything was backwards in that Cardinals game uh the the 2 minute 3 second one timeout should be the one with the best chance to they got to the 19 and they, so they got pretty far down the field in the 19 but Joseph missed the kick, and the 42-second two-timeout got to the 29, missed the kick. Um, And so when we talk about this, and and I'm going to get to this kind of now, the whole deal of this is that a lot of these ended up in field goal attempts, and Greg Joseph has missed two of these field goal attempts. And so you kind of say, well, why were you just settling for field goal attempts? And I think this is a great chance to kind of remove yourself from the context of these games and kind of ask, okay, when should you not go for a field goal attempt? I say if you're down three and a field goal just ties it, of course, play for the touchdown. Or if it's overtime, play for the touchdown. Yes, absolutely, right? Like they did in the in week six in, in this Panthers game, right? They walked them off. Um, if you're down one or two, winning by one and winning by six is the same thing, right? So go for the touchdown, go for the field goal um, is all the same. And we had this discussion a lot after the the week two game. And I think people were really like prisoners of the moment because I saw a lot of people unironically asserting that it would be easier to score a touchdown than to kick a 37 yard field goal. And that's just straight up not true. Even for the Vikings, even for the worst kicker in the league, even for Blair Walsh at his worst time, a 37 yard field goal is going to be easier than an end zone attempt. And the Vikings lost a game on an end zone attempt too against Cleveland. So eh, what do you do, right? And of course, they didn't have the luxury of the field goal there. Um, so... We can kind of argue about what's close enough, but it gets so backwards because you say, okay, well, the times they did get close enough, say, you know, the 30, that's a 47-yard attempt, that should be pretty good. Your odds of of, uh, winning the game there are pretty good, right? Um, And... The two times they got past the 30 on one of these drives, other than like touchdown in OT of the Panthers game, was the miss kick in the Panthers game and the missed kick in the Cardinals game. But they set up a couple 50 yarders and Greg Joseph made it. And it's just a facet of randomness, like why that happened. But it makes it so much more difficult to argue like, well, they should have tried to get closer for those field goals uh, because the times they did get closer, they didn't even make it. Uh, and it sort of diminishes the impact Uh, I guess of getting closer to the field goal. He can make a 55 yarder, but he also isn't guaranteed from anywhere closer. So I guess just kick whatever you get. Um, But I think it's all of that is, you know, dumb randomness that doesn't necessarily take away from the fact that the Vikings are just too conservative in those situations. Right. And that's probably a Mike Zimmer thing. So here's what I think the Vikings are doing. And we'll critique this, but I want to at least represent it as fairly as possible. What I think they do in these situations, when a field goal is an acceptable outcome, they will pick their spot that they think is the range of the, that the kicker has, and that'll change depending on the stadium you're in and the weather outside or if you're inside or whatever, right? So they'll pick whatever their line is and they'll say, we go for that, and... Very interestingly, it kind of doesn't matter how much time is left on the clock. It can be two minutes. It can be 37 seconds. They are going to kick that field goal as time expires. If you remember in that Cardinals game and a lot of the controversy of it was they got in field goal range with a minute 15 left and then they ran two more short plays to kind of dink and dunk a little bit closer and let the clock run on those two plays and then tried to kick the field goal and then the field goal missed and you went why didn't you use that time to get even closer and all that um and obviously in hurry up you know lots of stuff can go wrong we had that conversation and stuff um i i think looking back at this i still kind of have a problem with the way that they approached the end of regulation in week one and of course he made the field goal so it doesn't feel that bad but a minute 47 left and you got to the 35 you should do better than that and at the on the other hand 37 seconds left and you set up you know and you get to the 36 that's a little better you know a minute 10 less and you get the same result reflects very well on the week five game against detroit reflects poorly in the week one game against cincinnati um so but that's what i think that they're doing right they're saying okay We want to prioritize not giving the ball back to the offense. We don't want to leave too much time for whoever, right? That's a big thing. Don't leave too much time for Aaron Rodgers. Don't leave too much time for Kyler Murray. Don't leave too much time for whoever. And I I do think they're playing not to lose a little bit. That's been a really big critique. Um, There are some situations where like a touchdown isn't doing anything for you. But I do think with a minute 47 against Cincinnati, you probably could have played for a touchdown there instead of going for the tie and trying to bring it into overtime. So I think they've been more or less successful at the clock part. They've always kicked that field goal with zeros on the clock or functionally zeros on the clock, Um, but they haven't done that. They probably could shoot a little higher and still achieve that goal. And I think that is an adjustment. The Vikings should probably make at the buy here. But I want to talk about our good guy, our $31 million man, because in these situations in these clutch games, he's paid to do it. So let's talk about his performance in these situations as well. I also want to talk to you about Grambling. The Vikings are slight dogs, I think, against the Cowboys. A lot of time for that line to move, though, so I would not bet anything on that quite yet, unless you think the line's going to like move a direction you want to short it, and you're truly a sharp. Uh, but for now, I mean, I don't know. Broncos Browns on Thursday Night Football coming up here. I am excited about that one. The the Teddy Case Keenum Revenge Bowl thing, I guess. <laughs> The 2017 guys who lost the job to sam bradford to start the season bowl um i'll be live betting it i love their live betting apparatus, their prop bets and everything you can bet pro and college football you can bet uh the mlb playoffs going on you can bet nba just started uh even your favorite vegas casino games and if you uh haven't signed up it's free to do that just go to betonline.ag on your mobile or your uh desktop and if you enter promo code locked on when you make your first deposit, you can get some free grambling money as well. They will tack on 50% of whatever you deposited as free play money. You throw in a thousand bucks, that's 500 more on top of it. You have to 1,500 to gramble with. That is at betonline.ag where the game starts. So in these close game situations, Kirk Cousins has been asked a couple times about like his thought process and all this, you know, why did you let the clock run here? Why did you pick that past there? Stuff like that. And he's basically kind of Echoed this, and you know, I'm not guessing about the Vikings' intentions here. They wanted to run the clock so that the other team doesn't get a ball back. Um, and maybe they just hit that button a little bit too fast, right? Um, and I know Arif Son has is who writes for The Athletic and he does Norse, the Norse Code podcast. He has railed on this quite a bit, and he has an alternative that I think is pretty good, which is quickly get down the field, you know, do hurry up, get down the field as fast as you possibly can. And that doesn't mean throw only Hail Marys, right? Don't sacrifice the efficacy of your playbook, but Also, don't take 30 seconds getting from one play to the other, you know, Uh, conserve time in as many costless ways as you can, which means, you know, getting to the line more quickly. The team can do that. Um, And I think maybe you invite more problems in in the huddle or more miscommunications or whatever, but I think you kind of have to trust your team to do that. Um, So quickly get down the field. And once you are past your line, whatever it is, you're past your field goal line, then you can start thinking about, well, maybe we take a touchdown shot here, or maybe we start running the clock and stuff. But, I mean, I don't know. I'm a little more sympathetic to hey, I would rather take 30 seconds off the clock so you don't get 30 seconds the other way uh, than, you know, take a touchdown shot here when I don't necessarily need one. I'm a little bit more sympathetic to that, though I will always be uh, in favor of going for the win and not the, the, the tie in overtime, right? So that is an alternative that I think probably would be better for the Vikings. But, Given that they disagree with that, and they probably do, um, you know, I this is why I say, you know, if I were in the room, this is what I would suggest. And once they have declined that, we can now evaluate them within the parameters of what they are trying. Right. Um, You know, Kirk Cousins will throw an underneath pass because he is has been given the coaching directive that says it's okay to let the clock run a little bit. That's not a bad pass anymore. It's a coaching directive we disagree with, and we can firmly stand and disagree with it. But now, given that he's gotten the coaching directive, it's not bad on him to follow it, right? He shouldn't go rogue. (laughs) So, uh, given all that, Kirk Cousins has been fantastic in these situations. Again, five of eight times, he has gotten them into the range that they need to get to and not included in that five is the Dalvin Cook fumble, which wasn't his fault and probably would have been the game winning field goal. They were just about on the edge of range there. They needed like two more yards and Greg, Greg Joseph was going to kick one um, that, that could have gone in, right? So that is a really good clip in these situations. We have a weirdly high sample because all these games have been crazy, right? Um, that is a weirdly high, that, that that's a good clip. And I think the things that he's done well in those situations is like it's not fluky it's he just has like played well like kind of plainly um and he's made good reads and he's you know placed the ball well and stuff you're not getting these weird fumbles not these weird interceptions i think the um the the final drive of regulation against the panthers you probably remember the play was probably christian derisaw's worst rep on the on the day uh where he gave up the pressure to brian burns brian burns almost got a sack Kirk Cousins scrambles out of it, scrambles for like a 12-yard game. That play was insane for Kirk Cousins because that play was a strip sack in 2018. It was a strip sack in 2019, and that was in field goal range for the Panthers. So if that's a strip sack, they fall on it. They basically get a free chance to kick the game-winning field goal, and we lose the game. Total disaster. But not only does he not fumble, which Kirk Cousins always fumble. Like Kirk Cousins and fumbling has been a problem for him, I think, since college, um and so to not fumble that was really great and uh then to you know also scramble out and make a first down out of it of all things incredible right um and I think I mean Kirk Cousins has kind of said I think I'm improving um I think was something that he said you know when somebody asked him about being 500 and all that stuff he says well you know all all you hope is that you can improve every year that's kind of all you can control um and I think I'm improving and I think that play is sort of evidence of that and I think he deserves credit there um, I, I think coming off of this game, of course, it's a lot easier to gush about Kirk Cousins. I've even seen people, you know, start to write their clickbaity Kirk Cousins MVP pieces. <laughs> I've seen a couple of those. Um, maybe uh, I, I'm going to take a little going to need a little more before I get there. But, you know, that's where the narrative is starting to go. And I I think he's probably earned some of that just by, you know, he playing hero ball for two weeks in a row here. He gets the ball needing to score and he goes down and he got them into field goal range against the Lions, field goal range against the Panthers. And then Greg Joseph didn't even make one of those field goals. And he says, fine, I'll do it myself. And he walked off the Panthers in overtime. I think that's some clutch performance. And I think, you know, when we want to blame somebody for how conservative they've been in these situations, if we want to blame somebody for playing the field goal or not, It probably goes on Zimmer, not Cousins. Um, You know, I don't think Cousins is coming to the sideline going like, we got a field goal. And then Zimmer is like, wait, I wanted more. Right. Um, And I think they can probably tweak where they uh, where they set those lines up. I think too often and at the end of halves too, too often, they have gone to a more than 50 yard field goal and said, that's fine and kind of let up and run, you know, dive runs or or inside zone for two yards and then kicked. And Greg Joseph makes it or he misses it. Yeah. And I don't think they have a good enough kicker to do that. Like, he's just not good enough for that. Uh, So, yeah, I I think they've been too conservative there. But I do. I also I just wanted to pull away from that and say, look, we all disagree with that. But just to humor me, let's pretend we don't. Would we think Kirk Cousins is good if we don't disagree with that? And I think the answer is an unequivocal yes. And look, Kirk Cousins isn't going to go rogue. So, He's executing what he's being asked to execute. And I think he deserves a lot of credit for that because that's not easy. Um, you know, making those reads, finding the right passes, making the accurate passes, doing so under pressure in situations where you can't exactly fake a run. There's no play action. There's not a lot of help in those situations. Um, I don't know. Kirk's been sneaky clutch and I think that's pretty cool. And I wanted to do a show pointing it out. So, uh, we'll have another conversation like this tomorrow. Um, let me know if you have anything you want to talk about. Maybe I'll take your idea under consideration. You can send that to me at Luke Braun NFL or at Locked On Vikings. Thank you so much for making the Locked On Vikings podcast. Your first listen of the day. Your second listen should be Peacock and Williamson. They're doing a great job covering things from the national angle over there. I will see you all tomorrow, and as always, skull. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 455 meeting on everyone's calendar.